Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. Thank you for joining me here today as we continue our study on priesthood. And what I would like to kick off with is a reminder that ministry is perpetual. What is perpetual? It's always moving. It's always going, abounding for the Lord. It doesn't just stay inside of us. We are called to have a ministry. Everyone is called to have a ministry. If you are saved, then you are called. All right? To what? Ministry which is service for Jesus Christ. Today, too many people remain in the church only instead of taking what they learn in church and implementing it into their lives outside of church. Ministry happens outside of church. And in James chapter 1, verse 22, it discusses being doers of the word of God. And it reads, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This passage supports that you will not be a witness to Christ unless Christ witnesses to you first. Many just go to church, but they don't experience Christ to really feel a passion to also bring others to Christ. The disciples continued on despite being put into jail. Why? They experienced Jesus. Jesus impacted their lives. Unless Christ is doing something to us, we'll have nothing to talk about. We'll have nothing to share with someone, no testimonies to share about what he is doing in us. You know, ministries today, like I said, they're only on the inside of the four walls of the church, and it's an abomination. It's a problem. Many are only good speakers when they're speaking to like-minded people in church. Why is that? It's because they're comfortable and they're confident because they will likely get no resistance. Why? Because everyone thinks or should think the same in church. They're not going to get any pushback because they're already sharing the word of God with people that are there to hear the word of God. We must take what we learn outside of the church. The church is living in fear today, and I don't mean living in the fear of God. I mean fear like a phobia. The church is afraid of rejections of this world, right? But they're not afraid of Jesus. Our job is to sow the seed. Even if people are not convinced, we still sow the seed. We release the word. There are many talking and listening within the church, but none outside the church today. In fact, I bet the percentage is disgustingly low by the amount of those in church actually going outside and sharing the word of God. Maybe it's 2% versus 98%. Maybe less than that. So how can we improve, church? How can church improve? We can individually improve and work out our own salvation, right? We can individually ensure that we are rightly dividing the word, hearing it and doing it, or we're at risk of deceiving ourselves. Of what? Of salvation. Amen. This world will grow more and more wicked, but we won't. If the persecutions arise against the children of God, the Holy Spirit will arise as well. Amen. This is why it's important we are not deceived that we have the Holy Spirit. Why? Why is that so important? Because we must have him and we must be sure. It's a must. We discussed previously it's like a passport. If you don't have that, you're not going anywhere. 
You're not going to the place you want to go. You're not going to heaven unless you have the Holy Spirit. Apart from him, we will not become what we think we already are. And I'll say that again. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you and I will never become what we think we already are. Something I want to stress is that the Holy Spirit is the same in all. So if you think you are not as on fire as somebody else, know that they don't have a different dosage of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't actually have him. When you have the Holy Spirit, you will behave like a disciple. If you behave any differently, it's not God's problem. That's your problem. Without the Holy Spirit, you will just be pretending your entire life. Pretending what? You're going to be pretending that you were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And at the end of life, we will rise up again and the Holy Spirit will take us to the clouds to meet Jesus Christ. It's only those who actually have the Holy Spirit that attend the appointment, not those who think that they have him. Some teachers in the church, they talk so much today, but they lack the action. What I mean is they say things in the pulpit, but what are they actually doing? What's their evidence? It isn't just about gaining knowledge every Sunday. Preaching is only 10% of ministry. 90% is going out to share the gospel. That's our job, sowing the seed. Today, if you are selective with people, if you don't want to be around certain people, you don't have a ministry. Jesus' love brought him down to earth to talk to people. He wants to talk to us. He loves us. Likewise, we share the gospel with others with love, not condemnation. Sharing the gospel will include warning others of their fate in hell. It's a real outcome. Even bad news is delivered with love. Amen. We want to be like Jesus because we love him. So we love people. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to escape hell. Praise him for teaching us how to escape eternal torment. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now on to our teaching today. In Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. We are called to be priests. But did we respond? God says here, my people are destroyed. This prophecy that we just read in Hosea 4.6, it's about the present tense, meaning right now. Not back then or later. It is a message to us about now. Right now, people are cut off from him. And many don't know it. It's now. And many are going to be shocked at the end of life when they are rejected by Jesus. We want to uncover the lies, right? Because many are misinformed. We're in kingdom business, and we need to ensure people know that they are accountable. They are accountable to work out their own salvation. Jesus made sure the Pharisees knew, right? He made sure they knew that, that memorization of scripture, routine praying, tithing, it's not going to save them. He teaches that religion will not save a person. Today, there are two congregations that need to hear the word of God, and here they are. One. This one is obvious. It's the lost souls who don't know Jesus. Two is those who think that they are saved. Okay? When you're in hell, you cannot get a redo. You cannot come back to inform your loved ones of hell. And you cannot return to yell at your pastor who gave you false assurance that you were saved. You and I are here today to share the news to others. People should know their current status of lack of perception. Remember, lack of seeing. People need to know that they are spiritually blind so that they can repent. Without repentance, no one can become a priest. No one 
can receive salvation. We must repent and ask Jesus to forgive us. Today we will discuss the Old Testament and relate it to priesthood to the New Testament. And the Old Testament is filled with patterns that point to Jesus Christ. Okay, the New Testament is the fulfillment of those promises in the Old Testament. Why are we going to cover this? So God's people can understand. It's good to understand. Amen. So in the Old Testament, a priest is someone between man and God. So think of a priest like a bridge between man and God. In order to make a sacrifice in the days of the Old Testament, right, burnt offerings, a sacrifice, it required a priest. Why? Because the priest delivered it on behalf of man to God. Man could not give something to God directly. So the priest needed to ask God on behalf of that person. This is what it was like in the Old Testament. And we ought to know the Old Testament to help us understand the New Testament today. There's many people that say, oh, the Old Testament, don't worry about it, live in the New Testament. Yes, we are in the New Testament, but the Old Testament is good. There's a lot in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God didn't hear anyone ask for forgiveness unless a priest asked on their behalf. And today, it is different because of the Holy Spirit, okay? We do not have to confess to a priest. However, many today, they still practice this because they haven't studied what changed, so they don't understand. Still, and I want to make this clear that somebody who lives this way today, meaning they're going to a priest to confess their sins, they're not going to Jesus directly, they might be better than us. Even if we believe and understand what changed, because many today, they still disobey God. So a priest was required in the Old Testament. No priest meant no communication. You can think of it like a cell phone, right? A cell phone without signal. You have a message to send, but it cannot successfully be delivered. So it goes nowhere. Unless God ordains you, you're not a priest, all right? In the Old Testament. It's also difficult to find the reason for the priest in the Old Testament. You have to understand their work to understand their purpose. It's like a car. There are so many parts to the engine alone. And you have to study each component to understand the full purpose of the engine. So, we will study what a priest does to fully understand their purpose. We must study as true servants of God. We're going to discuss some verses throughout this teaching and today to support this message. Let's start by looking into the first acts of priesthood in Genesis. And this could be found in Genesis 4. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5. And it says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Verse 2, Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Okay, so in verse 2, we learn that there are two brothers who have their own work and ability. Verses 3 through 5, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Okay, there's no book before Genesis to confirm why we need offerings to God. Because it starts at Genesis. Why do we need offerings during this time? Also, why did God respect Abel's offering rather than Cain's? For sure we know that God accepts first-class offerings. Why do we know that for sure? We serve a first-class God. God is first-class, so he's looking for first-class. He teaches us that if it's not the best, do not even give it to him. 
So again, why did God accept Abel's offering? The answer is because of the quality of Abel's offering. You see, both Cain and Abel, they brought the firstborn. But what was wrong with Cain's vegetables? They probably weren't the best of the garden. Abel picked the best and offered God first class. Abel did not give the leftovers to God. For example, many tithe today incorrectly, and they're tithing based on what is left over of their income rather than the total gross income that they received. People tithe the leftover. Can you believe that? Giving the leftover to God? Yeah, right. Many today, they fail to worship God how he deserves. He's holy. People don't take him seriously, and doing this messes with their own life because God will surely deal with them. Why? Because he's fair. How many will go to heaven with leftover offerings to God? None. They're going to go to hell. And of course, this is shared with you in love, with the love of the Lord. Any servant of God should be sharing the message of hell with love because we love souls like Jesus does. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus today, you aren't telling yourself, this is good enough. You are ensuring that you can say, this is the best. Okay? And everything you do on this earth, we learn to do it for the glory of God. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. He wants her best. Can you imagine a big orchestra with many members in their instruments? Perhaps you can picture the chairs filled with those equipped with their saxophone or their drums, their piano, a harp, etc. Amongst the instruments, there's a person who plays the cymbal. The conductor instructs the cymbal player to strike the cymbal just once at the very end. So, what would the cymbal player do? He's going to practice day after day so it's perfect. Despite others who are playing different instruments for many minutes before him, the cymbal has the last part of the arrangement, and it must be done with first-class quality. Likewise, it doesn't matter if our assignment seems big or small for God. We will always give him our best for his glory. You could be a pastor, a keyboard player, a drummer, a sound tech, the camera operator, a greeter in the church. No matter the task that you take up, it must be first-class effort and execution. You can stand up on a chair today during church. You can raise your arms higher than everyone else during the worship, and you can shout amen the loudest. But it does not matter if it's not first-class, and God knows it. He sees your heart. Amen? In closing, we know God accepted Abel's offering due to quality. Measure the works of a person instead of their words. Today, the church is too subjective. What do I mean by that? The church just talks a lot. The church should be objective today, meaning the church should be doing work to solve spiritual problems. You see, God will solve the problem, but the people must do the work. And that's not just talking. How can you demonstrate quality through words? You can't. You must work. So I ask you today, are you working? Are you serving God with first-class quality? Only you can answer this for yourself. And in these days, it is critical that you know yourself and where you stand with God. Because he is coming quickly like a thief in the night.
We must have the Holy Spirit if we want to meet him in the clouds. Amen. This is shared with the love of the Lord. And this is Take It or Leave It. Thank you and God bless you all.